This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's so great to be back uh, with another full show for everyone. In addition to our watch team and our Coach's Corner and our Women on the Fly segment, I'll be joined this evening by Colleen Cutcliffe. Colleen is the co-founder and CEO of Pendulum Therapeutics, which is a microbiome company that launched the first medical probiotic for people with type 2 diabetes. And we're going to be learning a great deal about the incredibly exciting work that they're doing uh, in the healthcare field. In addition to um, the show this evening, I have a brief announcement about our watch team of on-air contributors. We currently have openings in both our Philadelphia and New York markets. So if you're interested in learning more about the opportunity to be a part of the show, please email laura at womentowatch.net. So that's laura, L-A-U-R-A, at women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And she'll be glad to give you um, all the information about how you can become a part of the watch team. You can always visit our website at womentowatch.net as well for all information on the show. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter and download the podcast so that you never miss a show um, and you can see who's coming up next there. So now I am very excited and thrilled to welcome to the show again, Colleen Cutcliffe, the co-founder and CEO of Pendulum Therapeutics. Colleen, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Susan. Thanks so much for having me and for all the great work you're doing educating everyone through this podcast. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, let me tell you, it's the greatest job I've ever had. I'm, I'm learning so much, you know, being able to talk to women like you um, that are really leaders in their field and doing some incredible work. And as I always do on this show, we, we really like to start at the beginning. And I wanted to start with this quote, which I think really will give our listeners a sense of what has kind of guided and shaped you both personally and professionally. You said that um, my parents embody the idea that the love you give out comes back to you in multiples. 
They instilled in me a deep respect for education, hard work, and substance. And these are literally the values of Pendulum that stem from my childhood. Uh, I loved reading that, and I wondered if you could talk just for a few minutes about your mom and dad and and where they came from and how they were, were such a great example for you. Absolutely. Um, I, I, both of my parents are immigrants to the U.S., and I think this topic is, is kind of timely now with a lot of the things that we're all going through and a lot of the pain that people are experiencing now. Um, my parents are both Chinese. They moved to the U.S. when they were in their 20s and um, decided to create a home in Atlanta, Georgia, and that's where I was raised. And one of the things that was really important about the principles in our house were this was always this concept of um, the American dream and really taking the best of everything that these different cultures had to offer. So my parents would often talk about the wonderful things about Chinese culture and the things they didn't like about Chinese culture and the wonderful things about American culture and the things that you know they didn't love so much. And the opportunity of being an immigrant is understanding both of those cultures and truly being able to take the best of both of those worlds. And it meant that you really appreciated the different things that different cultures had to offer. And that was the house that I grew up in. And um, we there was never discussions about the hardships of racism or being a victim. It was always flipped to look at the good things about people, look at our common ground. Um, and we grew up in you know the pretty deep south. We vacationed in you know small towns in, in Georgia and Alabama and um, and the Carolinas. And you know the deep south gets a bad rap for uh, having a lot of racial issues. And I would say that was not my experience at all growing up. And a lot of it, I believe, is because of the way that we simply viewed ourselves as part of the group and and how we. Um, were taught to do that by my parents. And that's translated into uh, really literally what we're building at Pendulum, where we've said, can we take the best of the pharmaceutical world, which is deep-seated in strong science and clinical trials and wants to create only efficacious products, and can we merge that with the natural world where you want things that are safe, that your body um, naturally has, and you're not instilling, you know, giving your body new chemicals. And Pendulum is has this vision of creating products that have the efficacy of a drug, but the safety of a probiotic. So basically eliminating all those side effects. And this idea that you can do that really stems from the, the immigrant mentality of my parents. You know, it's so refreshing t for me to hear that, you know, from you, because we do the news likes to really show the bad side of people. And I think we probably get a false sense of um, what people's experiences really are. And I, I love hearing in particular that you grew up in the, a community where there is a perception of, you know, extreme racism. And that was not the case. Um do you, would you say that that truly came about or that was your experience because as a family you chose not to allow that to happen? I would say that um, it, your, your point is right, which is that sometimes the extreme cases are the ones that get highlighted. And so it makes what might be a small problem kind of exacerbated into people thinking that's generalizable. So. 
you know, I did not experience um, anything that would be considered that I would consider systemic racism. Um, but I also think it has to do with how you view things. You can always um, take a, a, a situation, especially if it's not going in your favor, and try to rationalize why that thing didn't go in your favor. Gee, I didn't get that promotion because I'm a woman, or I didn't get that promotion because I'm Asian, or I'm having to wait longer than that person because I'm shorter, or I'm disliked, or I'm in a wheelchair. All these different things are ways in which you can view yourself and how you're, you fit into the world around you, or you can choose to not interpret things that way. And you can choose to interpret things in a, um, well, what, what, what skills could I get to help me get that promotion? What am I not articulating that um, is keeping me from getting the things that I need? What do I need to surround myself with to help me get to the places that I wanna get to? And I think when you turn it around to, how do I better myself? How do I surround myself with the right things to get me there? Um, it changes your level of happiness, first of all, but mm -hmm. it also changes actually outcomes very dramatically. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like, you know, the law of attraction, you know, putting, putting out, it's, you know, and sometimes it can sound naive or cliche, putting out positivity will bring positivity, but I think there's something there. Absolutely. And I'll give you a story from when I um, was a new mom, uh, had two toddlers, you know, around age two and four, and my husband and I both work full time. And those were stressful days uh, for anybody who's had toddlers. That, that is one of the hardest times in life. Um, and one of the things that I found myself doing was um, keeping score almost. I did the dishes, I did the laundry, I did this, I did that, and looking to my husband as, well, what have, what have you been doing? And it was really a mental tally that I was keeping in my head all the time. And it led to this feeling that I was being somehow cheated or taken advantage of or underappreciated. And at some point, I just mentally decided, you know what, I'm not gonna keep track. I'm gonna do the best mm. that I can do with every day that I have, and I'm not gonna worry about what other people are doing, especially not keeping track of what my husband was or wasn't doing. And it was like an immediate source of happiness. Wow, you know, that's so interesting because I had, um, that was one of the questions I had for you. I, I heard you say that in another interview, I think, or I may have read it. And it's fascinating to me that you recognize that in yourself and then made a very conscious decision to stop doing it and how powerful that is and how it changed your life. Yeah, I think happiness is one of the most important things that we can be striving for, yet a lot of us don't take the time required to achieve happiness. And it starts with understanding what's making me unhappy? What are the things that could be better? And that takes time and energy and dedication to, to change. And uh, But if you really are dedicated to it, you can kind of achieve your, your happiest potential life. Right. And that, and that takes place outside of whatever the um, whatever it is we decide to do creatively or, or for a living. Um, listen, we're going to go into our first break. And when we come back, I want to find out where your love of science came from. Stay with us as I talk to Colleen Cutcliffe, excuse me, Cutcliffe, co-founder and CEO of Pendulum Therapeutics. Stay with us for our watch team and we'll be right back. Now the women to watch health watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Many of you have experienced heartburn or feeling fluid in your throat, classic symptoms of acid reflux. 
But sometimes symptoms are atypical, like difficulty swallowing, hoarseness, chronic cough. Even worse, it can include squeezing chest pain, making it hard to tell if it's heartburn or heart attack. It's so important to distinguish between reflux and heart or lung disease, so you must tell your doctor if you have these symptoms. Don't be Dr. Google. Don't treat yourself with over-the-counter acid reduction meds. Today on Your Radio Doctor, we had Dr. Anthony Infantilino, an international expert on the topic of reflux and its possible complications. Chronic acid reflux can lead to scarring and strictures or narrowings in the esophagus. It can also cause Barrett's esophagus. What is Barrett's esophagus? Well, during upper GI endoscopy, I can see the pale pink smooth lining of the esophagus. Normal stomach lining is the color of salmon. If I see any spots of that salmon color in the esophagus, I take samples or biopsies. And if the cells have changed from normal esophagus to still normal but intestinal cells, this is what we call Barrett's, and it increases your risk for cancer of the esophagus. You can't feel the difference in color change. That's why you have to tell your doctor if you have heartburn, alarm symptoms that lead to endoscopy, unexplained weight loss, difficulty swallowing, persistent vomiting, anemia, loss of appetite, new heartburn after age 60, or a close relative with cancer of the esophagus or stomach, or signs of bleeding in the stool. Yes, always check your stool. Tell your doctor if you see fresh blood on the toilet tissue, and if it's a lot, go right to the nearest emergency department. Black stool can be blood from higher in the GI tract that's old by the time you say it. Avoid reflux, stop smoking, minimize caffeine, fatty food, and alcohol. Cancer of the esophagus is rising in numbers because obesity is more common in America and because people treat themselves instead of getting scoped. Learn more on yourradiodoctor.net. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Recently, a friend of mine had robotic surgery. The thought of this technology really scared me until I did a little research. What I learned was fascinating. Rest assured, though it's called robotic surgery, the surgery is not performed by a robot. The surgery is performed by a surgeon who's in complete control of the robot as they translate their hand movements to the robot. The surgery is performed through tiny openings. The robot provides the surgeon with an increased level of dexterity and allows them to operate in small spaces inside your body that would otherwise require open surgery. The goal of robotic surgery is to remove or repair an abnormality without affecting surrounding healthy structures. Through robotics, a surgeon gains enhanced precision, flexibility, control, and vision. It allows a surgeon to perform the most delicate and complex procedures that may have been very difficult or even impossible without the aid of the robot. The outcome for the patient is significantly less pain, less risk for infection and blood loss, an earlier discharge from the hospital, less scarring, and a much shorter recovery period, overall a better clinical outcome. Some surgeries that are now being performed this way are coronary artery bypass, cutting away cancer tissue from sensitive parts of the body such as blood vessels, nerves, or important body organs, gallbladder removal, hip replacement, kidney removal, and transplant. Remember, as with any surgery, it's important to interview your surgeon and ensure you have all the answers you need to make an educated decision. If you'd like to share your experience with this technology, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome in. I'm speaking to Colleen Cutcliffe. Uh, this evening, co-founder and CEO of Pendulum Therapeutics. And again, it's a microbiome company 
that has developed the very first probiotic uh, and, and it has had great success for people with type 2 diabetes. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot more to come. And I was curious, Colleen, if you could talk about when, how far back you recognized your love of science. Um, I would say my love of science really came much later in life, so I can definitely remember it. <laughs> I, in fact, I would say growing up, I don't think that I particularly maybe even liked science. Um, when you're in elementary and middle and high school and even college, there's a lot of rote memorization in your science classes, and that's not very fun. It doesn't feel right. like there's very much creativity involved. In fact, I got a C in high school chemistry. Wow. So, <laughs> Definitely did not have a love of science at that time. Uh Um, And and I actually went to a liberal arts college with no intention of becoming a scientist. Um, And when I was, uh, got to my sophomore year of college, you had to declare a major. And I had no idea. I'm not one of those people that always knew what I wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I remember talking to my dad and he said, well, what do you, of all the classes you've taken so far, what do you really like? And I said, well, I kind of like all of them. And, and he said, okay, well, those, the second thing is, uh, which classes come easiest to you? Which ones are you getting good grades in that you're not having to work as hard for? And I said, well, I guess that's my science classes. And that's literally how I picked my major. In retrospect, of course, you know, at a liberal arts college, it might be uh, conceivable that the science classes were, you know, easier for me because I was at a liberal arts college. Um, And so that's how I ended up picking kind of biochemistry as my major. And then um, I did a senior thesis in, in my major, and I did not know what I wanted to do after college. So I get to my senior year, and um, the, the person who was my advisor for my thesis, who was also the head of the department, she called me into her office one day and she asked me, hey, what are you going to do when you graduate? And I said, oh, I don't know yet. I'm probably just going to go live at home because I, I haven't figured it out. And a lot of my friends at that time were going to uh, management consulting or investment banking, and neither of those really interested me. And she, after kind of rolling her eyes, said, okay, well, as a alternative to going and living at home after getting this college education, (laughs) um, could I suggest to you maybe going to graduate school? Had you ever considered that? And I said, not really. And she pulled out several brochures and she gave them to me and she said, you know, I I think you should consider applying. And I remember thinking, um, sure, why not? But the deadline was literally, you know, four to six weeks away, and I had to go take a bunch of standardized tests. I had to get teacher recommendation letters. I had to write essays. And so I kind of fell into the application process, and um, and I ended up getting into Johns Hopkins for a PhD program. And that all just kind of happened because this one person really said, would you consider this? And I did. Um, It wasn't until I got to Johns Hopkins and I was in my second or third year of graduate school that I felt like there was a transition in what science was for me. There was no longer the memorization and the trying to understand all these different things are connected and all that. It was creative. It became Mm. this question of how does the world work around you and how can you make it better? How does the human body work? When does it start to have problems? And how can you get in there and help people be healthier? And it turns out that science at that level is incredibly creative. It's incredibly um, exploratory. You're trying to understand the world around you. And it's very empowering because you get to figure out how do I make 
the world around me a better place through biology, through science, through medicine. And that understanding and that transition for me in science, that well, that was it. After that, I knew health, that's going to be my thing. That's how I'm going to spend my days and uh, be impactful. Wow. I it's so interesting to me to hear that kind of description of, you know, the um, the similarities between creativity and science. And that's something when we talk about young girls and in, in entering the field of STEM, that they don't quite understand that always. It's so um, important to make that connection. Um, you also I want to be sure that we talk about you have a very personal story behind the launch of Pendulum. I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but tell our listeners um why you, you know, what first um, made you interested in the microbiome? Well, what first got me interested in the microbiome was really from a scientific and technical standpoint. Um, The microbiome, you know, about a decade ago was really starting to be this huge emerging new science. And it was things like probiotics and yogurts have been on the shelves for decades, but microbiome only really became a science because of DNA sequencing technologies enabling us to really probe the microbiome and understand it and be able to map it in in really um, significant ways where we could start to create novel interventions. And so I was working in a DNA sequencing company, had a very comfortable job, and um, I was reading about the microbiome because of its DNA sequencing link. And I realized this is a really interesting field and um, I, I, as I started to read more about it, I realized that I had a personal link to the space and it was that my older daughter was born almost two months prematurely and when you have a child born that early, you kind of get to see them for a few seconds and then they get taken away from you to intensive care and she spent the first month of her life this tiny little thing hooked up to these machines and monitors and receiving multiple doses of antibiotics, um, not because she had an infection, but because she was so fragile. That's the the, um, preventative treatment they give to preemies. And as she got older, I started to realize she had these health issues that were different from the rest of our family, primarily food sensitivities and metabolism. And what I read about the microbiome was that this early disruption to her microbiome through these antibiotics. I mean, antibiotics basically kill your entire microbiome. Through that early exposure, she was lacking the starting microbiome that other healthy kids who didn't get antibiotics were were starting their life off with. And that um, there have been all these studies now showing that kids who are systematically on antibiotics are also systematically prone later in life to have obesity, type two diabetes, allergies, attention deficit disorder, celiac disease, all of these things that when we look around us today and we say, why do these kids have such a high prevalence of these problems? A lot of it has now been linked to the way we start our life, including these antibiotic treatments. And so I realized, wow, I have an opportunity to create products that could help millions of people, including my own child, and that the microbiome is an opportunity to create efficacious products that are natural. And as a parent, that was really, really important to me and uh, a, a different way of thinking about therapeutics. Yeah. Colleen, we have to go into another break. When we come back, I want to tell the listeners exactly what the microbiome is. We keep using the word and people don't even know, you know, <laughs> what that is. So stay with us as I uh, speak to Colleen Cutcliffe and uh, going into the break, you'll hear from our watch team. Now the women to watch, military watch. 
Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. As we recognize the month of the military child, over these next few weeks, I want to highlight some of the military serving organizations that work very hard to support our nation's military families day in and day out. Blue Star Families is one such organization that is all about strength through the power of community. It was founded by military spouses in 2009 to empower military families to thrive as their loved ones serve our nation. This community of support isn't just important in times of war, but also when it comes to connecting with one another through the shared understanding and experiences of what it means to be a military family. Frequent moves and deployments make it challenging for military families to set down roots, make friends, find new employment, start at new schools, and at the same time taking care of all of the regular family needs. Blue Star Families helps our military community not only to overcome these challenges, but to thrive as their loved ones serve our nation. Although Blue Star Families has 11 chapters throughout the country and more than 150,000 members in its network, much of the organization's programming has gone virtual since the start of the pandemic. In adjusting to our new world, Blue Star Families has been providing military families with helpful materials, such as vaccine information, resources for at-home education, art and creative activities, and family entertainment like virtual museum tours and zoo and aquarium live streams. And as our museums begin to open their doors this summer, be sure to check out Blue Star Museums, which is a collaboration among the National Endowment for the Art, Blue Star Families, the Department of Defense, and our museums across America, which will offer free admission to the nation's active duty military personnel, including the National Guard and Reserve, and families. The 2021 Blue Star Museum program begins on Armed Forces Day, Saturday, May 15th, and ends on Labor Day. Now, whether you're a part of a military family or you want to get involved with helping military families as a volunteer, you can learn more about this great organization by visiting bluestarfam.org. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Hi, I'm Cheryl Mackey from United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Local businesses have been a staple of economies worldwide since people began trading for goods and services. And they provide many advantages to the economy where they operate, including helping to preserve the local economy. The advantage of local businesses is that more of the money spent at a local business stays in the local area. A study conducted in Austin, 2003, by the American Independence Business Alliance found that for every $100 spent at a nationwide chain store, only $13 stayed in the local economy. However, out of every $100 spent at a locally owned and operated business, approximately $45 stays in the local economy, which provides a significant boost to other local businesses, workers, and families within the community. There are over 31 million small businesses across the United States, and small businesses employ nearly half of the country's population, 47.1% of workers as of 2017. According to the latest data from the U.S. Small Business Administration, with so many jobs on the line, it's clear why small business closures during the pandemic 
could have a huge ripple effect on employment and the overall economy. And many of them have closed, at least temporarily. A survey conducted by Main Street America in late March and early April of 2020 found that 80% of small businesses have been closed for some period of time, and nearly 60% said their revenue had decreased by more than 75% since the start of the pandemic. Fortunately, a follow-up survey conducted by Main Street America in August found that most businesses had reopened with less than 10% of respondents stating that they had permanently closed. United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey Small Business Individual Development Assets Program, or IDA, will aim to help low to moderate income small business owners gain access to capital without having to take on additional debt. United Way's goal is to support small business owners to increase operations that yield greater levels of productivity. The program offers participants incentive savings matches, personal finance, and money management education, peer and staff support, and an individual counseling in order to make asset ownership attainable. If you want more information about United Way's Individual Development Asset Program for small businesses, please contact www.unitedforimpact.org. Thank you. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210. I'm having a really fascinating and wonderful conversation with Colleen Cutcliffe. And Colleen is uh, the co-founder. She does have two male partners um, and CEO of Pendulum Therapeutics. And in the previous segment, we, we kept referencing microbiome. And I know for myself personally, I didn't know what that was. I did know before I met Colleen, I had read about it, um, but many of you might not know. And I'm wondering, Colleen, if in the simplest of, of ways you can tell our listeners what that is. Absolutely. Most people have not heard of the microbiome. It's really a pretty new space. And all it refers to is all the bacteria and viruses and fungi that live inside us and on us. And it turns out there's a lot of them. In fact, it's believed that there are 10 times more bacterial cells inside of you than there are human cells. And they play a really important role in both our health as well as disease. And we've essentially co-evolved with these different microorganisms or this microbiome over time. And they play a lot of protective roles for us. And we've really come to think of them as all uh, kind of the enemy. We're constantly trying to kill them off with antibacterial wipes and um, antiseptic soaps and uh, antibiotics, but really a lot of them are extremely protective. And what we're learning in this new science is that some of them, when you lose them and you get rid of them and kill them, can actually cause you some serious negative health repercussions. And so the microbiome science is trying to understand how do these bacteria um, work with our body and which ones are beneficial and which ones are harmful and how do we really keep this ecosystem thriving? The microbiome is sort of like your garden. There's lots of things growing in there. It's an ecosystem and we're trying to keep it thriving and trying to keep weeds from really taking over our garden. Mm. Does it surprise you, Colleen, that this um, recognition of this part of our makeup that it took so long to recognize the importance of it. In other words, I can remember years ago when my kids were little and the doctor would put them on an antibiotic for something. And I remember my husband saying, you know, all these antibiotics aren't aren't good. We shouldn't be doing it. Well, I think 
your husband's response is a very common one. Many of us have sort of had this feeling that, gee, I'm not sure if this is good for me. And, um, you know, probiotics and yogurts have been around for a long time and people have been taking them feeling like there's something healthy underlying all this. And I think it just is a matter of science catching up with common sense. You know, this is one of those things that we kind of knew, but we just didn't have the science to back it up. And now that the science is here today, it's extremely powerful because we know there's something there and now it's just a matter of figuring it out. And I'll tell you, we have been actually messing with our microbiome for a long, long time. So in fourth century China, if you were a, uh, a um, really high uh, official and you got sick, you would often be given what's called the golden soup. And the recipe for the golden soup is you take stool from a newborn infant, mix it with hot boiling water and drink it. And this is effectively a microbiome transplant. You're taking the microbiome from an infant and you're putting it into an adult. And there's documentation in this fourth century China from these physicians saying they were able to cure diseases with the golden soup. Wow. And that is, you know, basically the foundation for microbiome science. Wow. Wow. Um, I want to, well, let's talk about um, the company. And uh, I know that you launched in, in 2013. So, you know, it hasn't been that long, but you've been so successful in raising funds and getting investors. Um, and again, you, you, you're beginning with this probiotic um, that has seen great success in people with type 2 diabetes. Uh, talk about the company and the product so that people understand um you know, what you're providing. And I think I would say it's kind of a threefold delivery between the product information that, that you provide and giving results and data for people that are taking it. Absolutely. Well, we've been around for almost a decade, but we just launched this product last year because the majority of the existence of the company has really been around understanding the microbiome and um, identifying this particular uh, formulation and taking it through the rigors of scientific and clinical testing. So we developed this thing the way you would a pharmaceutical drug. And um, I think that's been really an important part of the company mission, which is we will never put something out unless we have demonstrated efficacy of the product. And here we are targeting uh, type two diabetes and metabolism of sugar. And so we wanted to create something that had the efficacy that would people could feel and would 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 actually change their health and change their lives. And that's really what we've built. And um, this product uh, has the um, ability to, compared to placebo in our clinical trials, uh, to lower A1C by 0.6% and lower um, glucose spikes by 33%. And when you buy the product, we give you free A1C testing um, at the beginning and then again three months later so that you can see that the product is working for you. We also provide nutrition consultations and support because we know that it's not just about altering your microbiome, it's also about the way your food interacts with your microbiome. And so, and it's about coaching and having somebody in your corner helping you understand, you know, what good nutrition looks like, but then also supporting you when we all make our bad dietary choices um, right. throughout the day. Yes. And so the whole program is really designed to help people improve the way their bodies metabolize sugar, starting with the right microbes in your microbiome, but then pairing it with data to show you that the product is working for you um, and nutrition support. Wow. 
We're going to go into our last break. When we come back, Colleen, I want to talk, um, end the show, talking a little bit more about you. Because as a, as a leader and a mother and, and a CEO, I think you're doing a lot of things right. Um, and I want to share that with our listeners. Stay tuned for our watch team. And I'll be back with Colleen Cutcliffe, co-founder and CEO of Pendulum. Now the women to watch. Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar for your Legal Watch. States across the nation are reopening their businesses, and with that comes an expansion of in-person operations. This means bringing employees back to the workplace while taking appropriate safety precautions related to COVID-19. I invite all the Women to Watch listeners to join Ballard for a webinar April 27th from 12 to 1 Eastern. My colleagues Shannon Farmer, Tara Hama, and Brian Pedro will be discussing federal, state, and local reopening requirements, guidance, and best practice for reopening. They'll address thoughtful planning, appropriate employee communication, and careful implementation of the best opening strategies. The presenters are also going to discuss employee morale issues that often lead to workplace complaints, employee resistance to returning to in-person work, and ongoing accommodations that must be made under our new and already existing laws. COVID vaccines are top of mind for everyone right now, and this webinar will lay out the rights and obligations of both employees and employers under the COVID vaccine legal regulations. Spoiler alert, it is legal for employers to mandate vaccines with some very narrow exceptions. You can register now at ballardspar.com for this timely and free webinar. And remember, this is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar for your Legal Watch. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. How many of you wish you had a crystal ball that would tell you how your life is going to be in the future? I had this vision of summertime carnivals where there's that one booth and that lady all dressed up with this big crystal ball in front of her. It's so much easier to look to the future for advice than it is to keep being focused on the past and regretting missed opportunities or bad decisions. You see, you can't change the past. It's over. And so now you can do whatever you want with your future. I have two techniques to help my clients flip the narrative and both involve writing letters, one letter to their future self and one letter from their future self. Let's start with the letter from your future self. That letter is from the person right where you want to be. So give her some advice. What would you tell her to stop doing? What would you tell her to start doing? And what else might you say to her? Maybe you'd develop some empathy for that past self, someone who did the best they could with what they knew at the time. I would tell them that nothing lasts forever and prepare for change, prepare for ups and downs. That great job isn't going to last forever and neither is that bad job. Not the high of being madly in love is going to last and neither is the parts of that boring day. And then write the letter to your future self. What would you say to your future self? How would you feel when you read that letter in a few months or a few years? Maybe you'd express some vision that you could turn into action. Maybe you'd be proud of her for creating the outcomes you want right now. You see, most people don't think about their future. They're just letting life happen to them. I see it right now with one of my best friends. She's unhappy. She's stuck. She can't get energized about tomorrow, let alone the future. And I asked her, what would your future self say to you right now? It's powerful because it puts the accountability right back in her hands. Dan Sullivan once said, the future is your property. It's your decisions. It's your time. It's your focus. It's your actions to create the outcomes you want. So use the wisdom from your future self. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm speaking to Colleen Cutcliffe 
And uh, Colleen, you know, in doing my research and and in speaking to you, I guess a couple of months ago, I think you have an incredible um, attitude and mindset that I, I think people should take note of. And I wanted to share this other quote. Um, you said, when you accept that you're never going to be your absolute best in everything at once, it creates uh, a lot of freedom. I like that statement because I think, you know, what it speaks to is uh, taking the pressure off of ourselves um, that we have to do everything perfect all the time, which is just so silly. And I wanted you to kind of talk about how you use that as a leader working with your employees, you know, running a very large company and as a mom, because you do have two daughters. Yeah, it's always hard to have to make these choices that we're we are all literally making on a minute by minute basis do i uh, spend my time here do i spend my time there i mean there you often hear people say there aren't enough hours in the day um and there's really some proactive decisions that need to be made so that you don't kind of look back on your life and say what happened or how did i end up here you kind of want to i mean we don't have control over many of the things that happen in our lives, but we do have control over how we uh, engage and how we let go. And I think that's really important, especially as you have to juggle more and more things, as all of us do as we get older. Um, for me, a, a lot of it was sort of deciding prioritizations and then using those prioritizations as a compass for decision making. And for many of us who are now working from home, you know, there are decisions that we're making literally, you know, in, in a split second. My kid needs me at the same time I'm on a work call. Who, who do I give the attention to? And so it gets really tricky, but I think being thoughtful about you know, when you can get yourself into a quiet space and really get thoughtful about what is important to me, how am I going to prioritize things? Once you have that compass, anytime you're in a decision-making moment, you look back to that compass and it tells you what to do. And so it becomes easy to make these decisions day to day. And in the moment where you're looking at your work emails and you've got a pile on and you really want to manage these issues, you look back to your compass and you say, oh, this compass, which I agreed with myself I was going to follow, says it's time to <laughs> shut the computer down and go have dinner with my family. And I'm going to do that and I'm not going to yeah. look back. And I think um, meditation is one of these really interesting skills that enables you to block things out. And I think it's really important to be able to block things out because if you worry about what you're not doing and you allow yourself to kind of fall into the trap of feeling like you should be doing more, you could be doing more, um, that's a source of unhappiness. And I think that being able to block that out and to almost in a you know, psychotic way say, that computer is shut and I'm not even going to think about it anymore tonight, um, it actually leads to, to freedom and happiness. It does. I, and, and I love that word freedom because it really is freedom of, of our time, but also mental freedom, right? Where you're just letting go of all those Absolutely. shoulds. Yeah. Did you, before we end the show, Colleen, did you have some exciting news that you wanted to share with our audience? Well, um, yes, I am super excited about kind of generally having the opportunity to get to work in a field that is uh, both professionally and personally meaningful to me. And 
being able to create products that are efficacious uh, but also natural is is a real gift and I think this is going to be the future of health we're all going to start to see coming out on the shelves over the next decade or so products that are natural but have proven efficacy and we're really at the forefront of that and so I'm super excited that we've recently got an opportunity to continue to grow the work that we're doing through a fundraise um, that we just received our Series C funding, and it's uh, been led by Meritech, and in particular, Craig Sherman, uh, who will be joining our board, uh, which I'm very excited about. We have an amazing board and set of investors that believe in the mission of the company, and Craig in particular um, has been the one to be the early spotter of some huge successes, including um, Snowflake, 10X Genomics, um, most recently Roblox. And so I'm really honored to be uh, one of the companies that he also feels is going to be a big game changer in the world. And so um, very excited to have the opportunity to continue to grow our current product, Pendulum Glucose Control, and get that into the world, as well as additional pipeline products that we have in R&D. So um, it's a really exciting time for us. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations, Colleen. Really excited and happy to share that news. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Deborah Parenti, Executive Vice President and Publisher of Streamline Publishing, the audio division. Take care, everyone, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.